right, welcome back to Shifting Schools. Excited to bring you this great episode today with Iman, who is a copywriter. And we talk all about her job, some of the ins and outs of being a copywriter, and we really focus in on mistakes today. Trisha, how are you? I am doing well. Yeah, mistakes is kind of, uh, again, you'll, you'll hear at the top of the episode, we'll really get into that. And that's in part, Aman is the founder and host of the show, Mistakes That Made Me, where she's asking all different kinds of business leaders to you know, take listeners on a journey, uh, tell them a little bit more about the story of a critical mistake they made and actually how it's helped them move forward as a leader in business. So this episode, I think, is great for teachers of entrepreneurship, teachers of business, but I think it's also a really great episode for anybody who's teaching literature, ELA, language analysis. Jeff, as we were chatting with Iman, what was a shifted thought that you had? I think the big one for me was how do we make sure that we are making mistakes and at the same time, making sure we have the mindset that those mistakes don't hold us back, but we're able to reflect on them and move us forward. And as I was just thinking, as we were going through this interview, you'll hear this uh, in just a second when we get there, but the idea of uh, as a fourth grade, as my fourth grade teacher brain was running, like I could do this with my kids. What's the way, how could I do this with my students? And what are some ways that we can take some of these lessons back into our classrooms? And I do love that the, her focus on this idea of, in her podcast is about interviewing business people who have made mistakes, learn from those mistakes that then propel you forward. And we talk about that a lot with students, right? We can use the word growth mindset if you want uh, to, to talk about that. But just this idea of how do we make sure that we have the right mindset when we're going into creating things, that those mistakes don't hold us back. They actually move us forward in whatever it is. So just a, a really great uh, interview today. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I think about the energy that almost gets wasted by avoiding or, you know, trying to or assuming we can avoid making mistakes. And as Iman talks about, it's sort of like, it's it's not about avoiding them, right? It's about understanding what happens after the mistake. And I really appreciated um, that message. So teachers, I think we go through a few different excellent ideas to bring into the classroom. Uh, and if you like some of the ideas that we discuss on this episode, you also might want to check out a free guide that we have over at shiftingschools.com. It's ideas that educators can explore that are inspired by social media campaigns. So again, if your students are really interested in the world of social media, or again, digging in and bringing a critical lens to the language, to the communication that happens via social media, that's a free guide I think you might want to check out after you listen to this episode. And that free guide, like the 70 other free guides, is available at shiftingschools.com. Yeah. And Iman is a copywriter. She works with businesses around their email newsletters. So you're going to hear a lot about that today. Trish and I learned a lot about uh, newsletter writing as well in this episode. So many great takeaways for you to go and start using with your students. I'm excited to get to today's episode. But before we do, Here's a quick word from today's show sponsors. Want to save time with common emails, grading comments, and repetitive typing? Use TextBlaze today to eliminate repetitive typing forever and get your work done within your working hours. Create easy to use templates with endless customizations and powerful automation. Try it free today at textblaze.me slash shifting schools. That's T-E-X-T 
B-L-A-Z-E dot me slash Shifting Schools. And thank you to TextBlaze for being a Shifting Schools partner. All right. And with that, here is Iman from imancopyco.com. She is a copywriter, a podcaster, and she supports businesses and entrepreneurs in making mistakes that lead to greater and bigger things. And with that, on with the show. All right. I'm excited to be back with another episode here with Iman, who is a copywriter and has all kinds of great stuff out on the internet, including her podcast, Mistakes That Made Me. And that leads me to your first question. Welcome, Iman, to the podcast. Uh, In your podcast, Making uh, Mistakes That Made Me, you ask business owners to share critical mistakes and how to discuss uh, those mistakes as part of moving forward. For our audience of educators who may be aspiring business owners or entrepreneurs or teaching an entrepreneur class in kids, what maybe is one episode you might recommend they share? And what have you learned from the podcast? Oh, great question. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, okay, so Mistakes That Made Me is the podcast that asks extraordinary business owners their biggest business mistake. And the one episode that I'm going to recommend is the one that just came out today. <laughs> and it's one with a, a life coach called DL Sharon. DL has made over a million dollars um, in revenue over 2022. And in the first two months of 2023, she's she's already made 370,000. So she's a really successful coach. But it wasn't always that way. She really, she struggled initially with this idea of needing to be internet famous, really needing to be popular on the uh, online and needing to have a huge following. She, um, she was really worried about starting her business and didn't really think that she would be very successful initially unless she had that big following because she was looking at all these, these, the people in her industry who did have big followings. So I had a really great conversation with her about uh, her really like, desperation initially for internet fame, popularity. And it was more than that. It was really about wanting to feel accepted and as if she, you know, as if she really belonged. Mm. And we spoke about why a huge following isn't necessary to have a successful business and why you can have a hugely successful business and make lots of money without the kind of internet fame that we're used to seeing without having to, you know, show off a flashy lifestyle and all the stuff that we used to seeing on social media. Um, DL has around 5,000 followers on Instagram, just to uh, give you, you know, really exact, (laughs) an exact example. And I mean, she's, she's doing amazingly well. Um, I too have a, a successful business and I, I only have a few thousand and it's taken me four years to build that small following that I have as well. And I think the most important thing is being the engaged audience versus mm. the number of people that you, that you have. And so really we spoke about, the importance of making an impact of knowing who your audience is and then just really honing in on on those people and making sure that you are speaking to those people in a way that makes them want to hire you work with you buy with buy from you whatever it is you don't need everyone to follow you you just need the right people to know about you I love that. That kind of connects to, you know, another episode that you, and I think that will really resonate again with educators who are thinking about nudging teenagers to check out the show. Again, teens who are interested in business. 
And that connects with, I can't remember the episode number or season, so correct me here if you know it off the top of your head, where you had um, you had someone talking about the decision to partner with someone else in business. And then initially yes. they did not necessarily find like this was a good person for where I needed to go. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I think, you know, that obviously for young folks thinking about even when they're working on collaborative projects, you know, Jeff and I talk a lot about it might not necessarily be your best friend who's going to be like your best partner in learning. Um, that's another great episode. Such a, it was such a great interview. That's with Emily Thompson, episode six. And her mistake was choosing the wrong business partner. So yeah, absolutely. All these, all these kind of mistakes are things that teenagers who are looking to get into business will kind of need to know about. And you know, Jeff, you asked me, what have you learned in making this podcast? I created this podcast thinking that if I could share everyone's mistakes that we could avoid, like us listeners could avoid making those same mistakes. But what's really interesting is that I've realized that maybe avoiding the mistakes isn't the point. (laughs) Mm. I don't know if it's possible for us to avoid those mistakes because a lot of the time we just have to make mistakes for ourselves like someone can tell us don't do a thing don't do it like this do it like that but a lot of the time we have to experience that difficulty and that mistake for it to really hit home and for us to learn what we need to learn from it and so I think the actual point of the podcast is to teach people how to approach mistakes that they're making in business. So rather than don't make the mistake, it's this is how to approach the mistakes you are making. So be open to learning. Um, you know, don't expect yourself to get it right the first time or even second time. Um, this podcast is really about self-compassion and self-forgiveness um, and being able to forgive yourself for making the mistakes that you do make and understanding why it's so important that you that you do make them and it's okay for you to make them. So that's been a real um, a real revelation for me because I did I did not see that coming. Interesting, because I mean I think it's, it's spot on, right? And what we're talking about here is a mindset, and especially as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as somebody who I'm on, what am I on? Business number seven, <laughs> you wow. know, um, that that mindset is all the difference of what are you going to learn when the mistake happens? And there's a really great book and we'll have to make sure we put it in the show notes. And it's one that I've been going through some stuff in one of my businesses and actually had my friend who I recommended the book to re-recommend it back to me. And the book is called The Dip by Seth Godin. Uh, Trisha, you might know it. We're both big Seth Godin fans. It's not a big book. Uh, but it's talking about this idea that you go through a dip, right? And it's what you do in that dip. And that dip usually comes with mm-hmm. a massive mistake or you're starting to, your business is starting to pivot or something is happening with inside the business and you have to go through the dip. And it's through the dip that most people give up, right? You, that first mistake hits and you lose $100, $100 or $500 or $5,000, whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And it's how you approach that mistake. And I think that to me is, you know... Uh, it's all the difference. And I'll, I'll just, the story that I, cause I just did this in one of my real estate presentations and my, one of my other businesses, but we talked about this, that one of the first houses, my wife and I flip houses, mm-hmm. one of the first houses that we flipped, we lost money on, but our mindset wasn't that, yes, we just lost $10,000. Our mindset was everything that we learned on that house cost us less than our master's degree. 
we got a master's degree in real estate for $10,000. My master's degree <laughs> so that I can be in education cost me $28,000. And that $10,000 made us more money on the next three flips than we could have imagined, right? Because we, we took it as a learning opportunity. What did we learn from this? What did we do wrong? Where did we go sideways? And then we did it again and we made money and we did it again and made more money. And it like, you know, but if, if we'd have just said, oh my gosh, we can't flip homes. We just lost this money. What are we trying to do? That'd have been it. We wouldn't have used it as a learning opportunity. You don't get over that. You don't get through the dip, right? It's all about that mindset of getting through these big critical mistakes that you're going to make in business. You're going to make them in life. And that, that definitely is a mindset. That's exactly it. That's exactly what the podcast is about. And and the reason I started it was because I was uh, I was fascinated by the fact that when it came to when it comes to mistakes that I make in my personal life, I am really hard on myself about that stuff. But when it mm. came to business and the mis like when it came to the mistakes that I was making in business, it was very easy for me to look at it and just say, okay, well, I'm never going to do that again. And yeah. <laughs> let's move on and and just not do that again. And yeah, it was really interesting for me. I was like, well, how, how is it possible for me to, to make that separation between my business life and my, my personal life, you know? Um, and so, I mean, yeah, the, the podcast has gone down really well. Business owners are loving hearing about people talking about something other than their success, yeah. which is just, it's just refreshing. You know, yeah. it's as much as we love for people to succeed. Sometimes we just want to hear about people's failures. Yeah. <laughs> Tell so me about true. the time you failed. Yeah. Well, definitely. Again, if you teach business, if you teach entrepreneurship, I think it really does reveal a layer, as you say, that we're not talking about enough. Now, listeners, if you don't teach entrepreneurship or business, I think you're going to like this next next question if you are a teacher, again, of literature, of language analysis, because one of the tools that I love on your website, um, on your blog, and listeners will be sure to include it in the show notes, the work that you do, you do as an email conversion strategist and copywriter, uh, you know, you don't just say, hey, I know how to do this. You also say, let's look at some examples that folks might be familiar with. So you have a, a rundown that you do that is on the good, the bad, the MOPs. Is that methods or procedures? Is that what MOP stands for? Let me check uh, in on that missed first. Missed opportunities. Missed opportunities, missed. even better. Mm -hmm. So you've got these <laughs> real examples as case studies. Um, and I loved looking at the one for Fenty Beauty, massively popular brand, especially in light of the Super Bowl, got a huge boost. So your video and your blog post, it goes through this run through. And again, it'll be there in the in the show notes. Can you talk to listeners about how you critique email strategy and what has informed your approach? Um, and again, I just think this is a great language analysis practice that has such real world relevance for students. Yeah, yeah. I I actually I was a student of English language once upon a time, and so it, it really is a passion of mine. And I wanted to uh, look at the email strategies of popular companies where you know people would be actually interested in understanding what's going on and how these emails are put together. Um, the next one, I don't know if you know S Club Seven in the US. Do you know S Club Seven? 
The pot I have, band? I have a, they, when I was living in Singapore, actually, they did sort of, I don't know if it was a reunion tour. Oh, yeah. And people were very <laughs> excited. Yeah. So I think really popular in the 90s, right? But very popular in the 90s, the early 2000s. They're, they've just come back in the UK to do another um, to do another reunion and, and tour and stuff. And so S Club 7 will be the next one that I do. Um, but in terms of what I'm looking at when I am kind of analyzing uh, email strategy, because I do this for clients as well. So people will watch the teardowns on my website and say, oh, will you do that for my business? Hmm. So it's the, the method is all the same. The first thing I'm doing is going on the website. I'm going on your website to see if you're making it easy for me to join your email list. <laughs> Where are the opportunities for me to join your email list? That's usually the the first mistake that that people make. Um, and there are various ways to have people join your email list from your website. Uh, so it's it's not really like there's a right way and a wrong way. It's just are you giving people the opportunity to? <laughs> so for some people, they'll have like a little box right at the footer of their website and that's it. So mm -hmm. as you can imagine, it's hard for people to find it. So if, you, if you're wondering why you're not getting, you know, email signups, it's probably because people aren't seeing it. Um, others like me, I have, I've been experimenting with an exit intent pop-up at the moment where when people go to click off the, um, off the window or off the, off my website, the pop-up will come up and say, Hey, you know, before you go join my newsletter, this is what you'll get in return. And, you know, people say that pop-ups are really annoying and maybe they are, but it works. They work. <laughs> it really <laughs> That's works. The problem. <laughs> That's the problem. So my pop-up is staying there. Um, and so those are the kinds of things I'm looking for on your website. And then I actually, I sign up for your email list through your website. So obviously then I'm going straight to my inbox because I want to see what's coming next. So then I am looking for, maybe it's a confirmation email, that first one, uh, confirming subscription. So once I've done that, I'm waiting for what happens next. Um, sometimes nothing happens, <laughs> which is a big mistake as well. And we'll mm. go on to why in a second. Um, but ideally, I get an email that immediately comes through that is welcoming me to the newsletter. Thanks for signing up. You know, this is what to expect. This is what you're going to get, all that kind of stuff. So the first thing that I'm looking for is the actual email. Once I can see the email is there, I'm looking at the subject line. Is it engaging? Is it making me want to open the email? Um, you know, I have a newsletter at the moment that comes into my inbox and every month the subject line is February newsletter, <laughs> March newsletter. I, I haven't read one of their newsletters ever mm. because it's just so uninspiring. It doesn't make me want to open it. Why would I want to open something? Why would anyone want to open something that says March newsletter as if we're in, you know, the most, the world's most boring <laughs> business meeting, you know? <laughs> so um, I'm looking for, then I'm looking at the preview text. There is the subject line and then there's a the preview text. People often ignore the preview text thinking it's not important, but it's, it's, it is important. It's a second opportunity at a subject line. So maybe if the subject line didn't grab the person, maybe the, the preview text will. Next, I'm opening the email. I'm looking at the hook. The hook is the either opening line or opening paragraph. And this part of the email has to be really good because it has to literally hook me in and make me want to keep reading. The job of those first few lines is to make me want to keep reading. Often people make the mistake of starting an, uh, an email or a newsletter with, hi, first name, how are you? How's everything going? I hope you're well. And it's just a complete waste of time and space because you've already mm. bored everyone who is 
reading. You know, you've got to have really loyal people reading your emails to continue on after that. And if you can imagine the number of emails that we're getting a day, there's a lot of competition to, to get noticed, right? So you really got to make the most of that hook. Next, once I'm past the hook, I'm reading the body copy. So is the actual content of the email any good? And there's loads of other things that I'm looking at in between that, like, you know, um, uh, formatting, the spacing, the paragraphing, um, all all that good stuff that actually makes it easy to read and helps with readability. Then I'm looking at the call to action, also known as the CTA. The call to action is that literal call where you're telling someone to go do a thing. Um, And that thing is whatever your goal is. So for example, if you are wanting someone to um, go to a product page on your website, that is the call to action. You're calling them to do that action. Maybe you are asking them to forward the email to a friend. That is you calling them to do an action. So I'm searching for the call to action. And first of all, I'm looking at whether the call to action is clear, whether it's easy to, um, to understand and whether it's easy to actually notice and see and do. And, and is it compelling me to actually want to do that thing that you want me to do? And so if we go even further, we can then click that button and see where that takes us. So if I give you an example of, for example, Fenty Beauty, a product, um, a product-based business like that, um, what they might do is have a button that says shop now at the bottom of the email. Mm. And then the shop now button takes you to the homepage of their website, which is infuriating because you are putting the, the onus on the the subscriber to go to then go search around your website. If your entire email has been about, Hey, check out our, you know, different foundations. You want to take the subscriber straight to the foundation page of your website versus the homepage where you're making them scroll around and find the foundation because they're not going to find the foundation, the, 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 the foundation, they're just going to cross off and you've lost customers. And it's, it's a real shame. It's, it's small details like that, that can make all the difference that can make you money or lose you money in email. And so, I mean, there's, there's so much more. I haven't even spoken about the language and, you know, the audience that you're talking to, uh, the number of call to actions. There's so much more, but that's the kind of the, the basic stuff that I'm looking for. Well, I love that again, because I think it's a great crossover lesson for business entrepreneurship, you know, language analysis, as well as that empathy piece. You know, as you were saying, email, you know, the number one thing is let's not frustrate this person who's signed up for your newsletter. And I think for younger learners, even just thinking about, hey, how much time do you give to an average email, right? So if you're skimming an email in 90 seconds or less, what's something that you could have done with that email to make it even like 10% less frustrating, 5% more engaging. Um, And again, I love that your blog has brands that students would know. So I think, you know, I'm I'm just thinking with my teacher hat on, what if I signed up to free newsletters? Again, these are free from brands. I, I maybe survey my students and I say, what are some brands that you follow on Instagram, on TikTok? I'm going to sign up for their newsletters. We're going to do some analysis of, uh, of their newsletters. My students don't have to sign up. Their data is protected, but I can then kind of bring those into the classroom and, and we're discussing them because um, I think, you know, just in a few minutes, you gave us a few things there to really think about and even just the call to action. What makes this compelling? Or again, what makes it fall flat, I think is a great classroom discussion. 
Hi, folks. We'll get back to today's conversation in just a minute. We're super excited to introduce you to and add text blaze to our growing list of shifting school sponsors. If you hate sending emails and working late while grading student assignments, and you're like most teachers, always looking for a way to save time and get your work done before you go home, well then, TextBlaze might just be your answer. With TextBlaze, you can save time on repetitive typing and get your work done within your working hours. Using TextBlaze, you set up keyboard shortcuts to insert frequent email replies, common grading feedback, and any repetitive text you find yourself typing. TextBlaze is a Chrome extension that once you install it, allows you to create customized shortcuts to use anywhere within your Chrome browser. So create custom shortcuts to use in any web-based LMS system like Google Classroom or Canvas or any web-based email system like Gmail. TextBlaze has saved users over 28 hours a month. Think about that for a second. You spend a few minutes setting up your templated responses to students, parents, or colleagues, and then with a couple keystrokes, have TextBlaze write it for you. One of my favorite features is you can create a template and also have TextBlaze put the cursor where you want it within the template. So imagine you're sending home the same email over and over again to parents. You can create a TextBlaze template that writes the email for you and automatically puts the cursor where the student's name needs to appear within the email, saving you time and clicks. Don't take my word for it though. You can try it out for free by going to textblaze.me slash shifting schools and set up your account and see how TextBlaze can save you time on repetitive tasks. So what are you waiting for? Visit textblaze.me slash shifting schools to get started saving time today. That's textblaze.me slash shifting schools. And we thank TextBlaze for being a shifting school sponsors. And now back to our conversation. Yeah. And I think that just leads into so many other things. Like you can start with this in-depth analysis of an email newsletter, but then how do you also take those exact same skills and you apply it to an Instagram post, you apply it to a TikTok video, Uh, you know, like you've got these moments, you've got these split seconds that you're trying to engage, you know, and just getting kids to think through that. I mean, Iman, you just, as you were talking, I was just like, this is the lesson plan. Like this is, (laughs) she's scripting. Here's where you start. Let's have a conversation about what do you notice? Here's the next thing you're going to look at. What's the conversation we need to have? Like you could literally just do that. I love that idea, Trisha. Uh, Iman, that's just, I, I could, I, as a fourth grade teacher, I could see doing that with fourth graders. I mean, there's newsletters made for people of all ages, right? Like you could totally uh, go in and do that and really do an in-depth analysis of how is what we're learning in class actually applying in world world, real world situations. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, I love that. And a little tip as well, because I sign up to a lot of newsletters to just analyze them, create a new email (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that you can sign up to these newsletters so that you don't have to worry about your, your, you know, personal email or whatever else, maybe even work email, uh, being filled with, with these emails, just create a new one and have them yeah. sent to that. That's awesome. Uh, over on Twitter, you posted about the amount of research that goes into being a copywriter. Can you say more about what's kind of some of the mindsets and what are some of the skill sets, uh, today for a copywriter? Yeah, absolutely. So Well, first of all, let me just tell you what actually goes into the research, because some people might be like, well, what kind of research do you need to do? (laughs) So for any kind of project, any copywriting project that I'm working on, and this involves basically a business coming to me and saying, I want you to help me make money through my email. 
write me emails that are going to make me money or write me emails that are going to nurture my audience. So mm. they might not make money immediately off those emails, but what it's doing is it, it's nurturing the audience making them feel safe enough to pay them money for something later on down the line. So there's that one's, there's a bit of a wait before you see the return, but it comes eventually. So the first thing I want to know is who am I talking to? Who is the audience? Uh, what are their pains? What are they struggling with? What are their goals? What are they aiming for? What are their frustrations? What are their objections and their hesitations around buying your product or buying your service? Why why you? Why why would they want to choose you over that over your competitor, for example? And so these are all things that I want and need to find out. And I also need to craft the messaging as well. So I need to understand like what my angle is. Where am I gonna kind of come uh, come in at this? Uh, so the first thing I do is either interview uh, customers or send a survey out and mm. survey customers. And the goal is to basically get a really good idea of, of what's going on in the customer's mind. And from the information that I get and the data that I get, and then I'm looking for common themes so that I can understand what the, the main themes are f- across this audience. So that, you know, their biggest pains, their biggest goals, their biggest struggles, their biggest hesitations and objections around paying money for this thing. And so there's a lot of research that goes into it before I can even start writing. And I found that the longer I spend on the research aspect, the faster it actually is for me to write the emails because Mm. I am so confident about what I'm writing. I know what I'm writing. The research really shapes the emails and the copy. And this is the, this is this the case for whether you're writing emails or website copy or, you know, social media copy, like you said, Jeff, these are all the same principles that you can use for across all different types of copywriting. So in terms of the skills, as you can imagine, to be able to do that, you need to be good at interviewing firstly. Um, this is something that I really had to work on because I didn't have any kind of natural interview interviewing skills. So I did a few courses to help me understand what I'm actually looking for. How do I ask questions? What are the right questions to ask when those questions are answered? How do I know what are relevant pieces of information and what is not? Like, how do I separate the fluff from the actual, like the goal that is going to help me make these sales for my clients? Uh, And so that was, that's the first thing. You need the interview skills. You need to know how to interview. Um, you need to be curious. You need to be able to uh, ask the right questions. And th- the curiosity is what takes you there. So initially, I used to walk into customer interviews with a set of predetermined questions and have them all written down and then just go through this list of questions. What I found is <laughs> once I became more confident around interviewing customers and understanding what it is I actually wanted to know and find out, I would go in with maybe two questions to start me off. And then I would just follow the conversation. So now I'm listening to the person that I'm interviewing and I'm, I'm letting them lead the interview. And then as we kind of, as we're talking, the questions are coming to me based on what they're actually saying. So now I'm not just following this list of questions in front of me. I'm actually listening (laughs) to the person in front of me and following my curiosity. Um, and of course, patience is another one because it takes a lot of patience to go through all this, this, all these calls, all these survey responses, and all this data, and then to actually mine through all the data and organize the data into themes. And you're looking for all, it's a lot. So mm. you got to be patient in that sense. And I think you've got to be able to recognize a good story and a good hook and a good angle as well. And all these things take 
time. Um, these aren't things that I just have, you know, none of these things are things that I just knew how to do. I had to learn how to do them. And they, you know, you get better at and better at them with practice. I, you know, you, as you were talking <clears throat> and I was thinking about teachers who are listening to you and they're thinking, how can I give students like a micro experience of what it might mean to be a copywriter and really latch on to that idea of practice and hone your interview skills. One of the things that I hear from school leaders all the time is school leaders often have newsletters and they will say the parent and caretaker community just doesn't open it. They're not reading it. I I would love listeners, if you take this on, please do reach out to us and let us know. Have a group of students actually survey parents and caretakers in the community. Find out, Imana, as you were pointing out, like what is it that you would want in that newsletter? What, you know, if you're not opening it, why aren't you opening it? Is it sent, you know, on a day or a time that just isn't working for most because people? It's, it's March newsletter. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> your your point about the the curiosity piece, right? Like, what are some of the factors that the school leader might not even be aware of or considering when they're drafting that? Compile all of that data and that research, make some suggestions, do that analysis of past newsletters, and present that back to school leadership. Um, I'm thinking that might be a really cool way to experience this world of of copywriting. You know, it, it's you sort of blew my mind because I think the myth that I was telling myself about your profession was. Oh, it's probably one of those jobs that's like really in isolation. Like, you know, you're just really working by yourself all your t- all the time. You're not necessarily talking to people. <laughs> and it's so fascinating, of course, how wrong I was and how you're telling us it actually starts with listening to others. So um, again, another great lesson in terms of if you think you might know what a career is like, make sure that you're talking to folks who are <laughs> in that field. Because um, again, as, as teachers are trying to just expand what students are thinking might be possible in the future, I think hearing from folks who are very current in that career pathway is so important because maybe you're not someone who likes interviewing or maybe you've never done it and you don't even know yet. Um, so thanks for kind of revealing that greater truth about the life of a copywriter. I had no idea. Yeah. And I think what you said was, was a really great idea about getting students to find out what the parents actually want to know about. Yeah. So yeah, listeners, if somebody takes that on, please let us know. Um, again, and, and even just, you know, Having them look at those past newsletters, I think, is a really interesting and maybe comparing it to um, some of the ones that you point out on your blog. Like, what what would happen if our school let, uh, newsletter took on some advice from, you know, what Aman has pointed out about, like, Fenty Beauty? Um, you yeah. know, I think, again, there's there's lessons for us in education from the broader world. Agreed. Agreed. Iman, thank you so much for your time. If people want to reach out to you to learn more about what you do. Uh, maybe you want to contact you, maybe have a school, maybe you can come in and talk to kids if you're willing to do that. Where's the best place for, for people to, to reach out and contact you? Yeah, you can find me at imancopico.com. Yeah. And if you want to listen to my podcast as well and hear about people, uh, hear about business owners' mistakes, you can search it anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Uh, and it's called Mistakes That Made Me. Awesome. Awesome. Trisha, how about you? If people want to reach out 
and find you out on the internet? Where is a good spot? Where, where are you pointing to people? Well, these you days? know what? I feel really fired up about our Shifting Schools newsletter and, and thinking more carefully about it. So, folks, you can sign up for our free newsletter at shiftingschools.com. And, Aman, you've given me a lot of inspiration for uh, the next issue to come out. So, sign up for that. You can always respond to our emails. Uh, over there. That's going to be a little bit of a challenge for me to take on some of the guidance from this episode. So catch me through the newsletter. Yeah. And we can, we can even, uh, you know, feel free to use our newsletter with your students as well uh, and give us the feedback. Cause I think that would be great as well. You know, we will offer up our own newsletter uh, that you can do over there as well. Iman, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. That's imancopyco.com. We will make sure all the links to today's episode are in the show notes. Thanks, Iman. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Just a reminder, you can save $25 on any of our learning pathways at shiftingschools.com by using the code SSPOD25 at checkout. If you like today's show, or if you have something you'd like us to talk about, send us an email at info at shiftingschools.com. And of course, rates and reviews are always appreciated. Until next time. We'll see you on the network.